Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. Good. I'm John Paul. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. How are you feeling today? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm kind of like in the shutdown. I wake up and I'm like, I'm like waiting to see like, do I feel good today? Do I not feel good today? Am I gonna have to do like extra work to try and get to normal? Like absolutely i know i'm like super proud of myself because i got up and worked out before this so i'm like okay you know that always makes me feel a little like kick-started for the day and i don't make it every day so <laughs> right well the morning routine is key right it is yeah more than ever right now i feel like oh hi, hi. how are you i'm good how are you doing did you move did i move no i'm in the same place i've been in for about a little over two years now Okay. Yeah. Looks amazing. Is that real brick? No, I, I put it up with a friend. <laughs> oh, okay. It looks, it looks so cool. It looks good. I was, it's so funny that he asked that because I was wondering myself, I'm like, is that brick real? It's going to drive me crazy the whole time. So now I know. <laughs> is that one of the dogs I've met? Yeah, that's Mochi. You know Mochi. Yes. Oh, Mochi's so pretty. Hi, Mochi. She's such a pretty girl. She's such a beautiful dog. So John Paul is my um, breathwork teacher, and I, I would call it breathwork meditation. Um, wow. though, you know, so it's, uh, and one of these days when we work together, we'll do a little one of his classes before we, uh, we start our session. It's just this incredible thing that just clears out all anxiety, all wow. depression. It's like this thing that's unlike anything else I've ever, I've ever experienced. He's one of my oldest friends. He used to come on tour with Goldfinger. And we've done so. We've we've known each other for twenty plus years. Just an amazing man. And uh, we wanted to start a podcast about, you know, mental health, uh, exercise, morning routine, morning routines, all that kind of stuff. And I just, I just, I love you, Lindsay. I just think you're such an amazing human. And I've had the pleasure to work with you. You know, we've hung out a bit, and uh, I just, um, I know a, a, a bit about you. And I just. I love you to death, and I'm just so grateful you're on the show with us today to talk about your stuff. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I've always loved anytime our paths have crossed, I'm just like, John is one of the coolest, nicest, most energetic, positive people out there in the industry. So I always get so excited when I find out I'm going to cross paths with you, work with you. And when you told me you had a podcast about mental health, I got really excited because I'm actually kind of a you know, like a slight nerd in this area. I love learning about it. I love trying new practices. Like I'm so intrigued about this whole breath work thing. I'm like, oh, I need to hear more about that. But it's a part of my life that I'm very passionate about just because of some of my own life experiences that kind of 
made me have to choose, am I going to work on this or am I going to let this rule my life? So mental health became like a, a really big part of my life. And so anyways, I'm so excited to talk about it with you today and that it's something so important to you. I'm like, that's why he's so happy and positive. Yeah, I have a thing, you know, no matter how I feel, whether I'm homicidal or suicidal or whatever's going on in my head, I say I love my life out loud, no matter what, mm -hmm. every day. And the louder I say it, like, I love my life, like, the better it tricks my brain into believing because I have a life beyond anything I could have ever imagined. And I, I, I see that in you as well, you know, that, and I've watched your journey, you know, I've, um, I've done a, you know, before I met you, I, I knew about you and I saw you play the Greek theater and I was like so blown away by your, by your show and like the amount of effort it takes for you to do what you do, like the rehearsal, you know, cause I'm in a band as well, but right. I don't have to, I mean, I can't dance to save my life and you're such an incredible dancer and oh, it's thank like, you. And it's like to be able to choreograph what you're doing and play at the same time. We all jump around and I jump in. I mean, I have a very energetic show as well. But oh, yes. <laughs> and I saw you. I saw you with All Time Low as well. And it's like what you do translates across so many borders in the music business. And it's like um, so inspired by you. Oh, well, thank you. It's so many nice things. I really appreciate that. And I, I, I agree with you that sometimes you, it takes a step back. Because like you said, your life is more than you ever probably thought it would be in the terms of like the things you've got to do, the success you've had. And yet sometimes there, we still have to take a step back and be like, I love my life. I have so much to be grateful for. And you know, one of the biggest things that helps me remember what like I love, I do, I love my life is a gratitude journal is one of the simplest things that's changed my life. And I think such a tactical way to elevate happiness. I tell everybody now, I tell my fans on stage, I'm like, Gratitude journaling is one of the biggest ways that I shifted my, I, my default setting is like what I like to call it. Because I feel like when you're not really happy and excited about something or when you're actively not sad, you know, when you're just kind of floating in that middle ground of like, this is just kind of my, my default. I feel like there's a plane that it sits on and writing in a gratitude journal was like working a muscle that just elevated my plane of default setting closer to the happy side and suddenly I automatically start having those like brain responses that you were talking about that turn to gratitude more automatically because every night I would actively say I love my life by looking at specific things that today I made a great breakfast today I, I worked out and I actually kind of enjoyed my workout okay that's a plus you know like little tiny things or big things that I'm grateful for that just have trained the muscles and neurons in my brain to more automatically choose that over sadness or the the uh, pessimistic side you know and, and so i just love the brain and how you can train it to be the kind of brain you want to have in your head Lindsay, you're my kind of person like something you said there i really want to emphasize to our people that are listening gratitude is a muscle that you can train like that's fucking amazing yes. right yes. so if you want to feel good about your life train that muscle of gratitude whether you're writing it in a journal which i used to do all the time and i have mm -hmm. friends like feldy where sometimes we'll send each other our gratitude lists and share it with other people like what you're grateful <gasps> for which is really powerful on like a group that. text and then i started doing this other thing like i actually have a gratitude track on youtube where i say thank you thank you for my eyes thank you for my lungs thank you for my hands and because mm -hmm. gratitude is being thankful for what you have so staying yes. thankful for what you have, if you focus on that, whatever you focus on expands. Yes. Right? I love that. 
it's so obvious in other areas of life, these things that happen in our brain, but it makes sense when you think of it physically, you know, and I always love the sports analogy of like, I used to play soccer way back in the day, not anymore. But um, I remember the goalies always wear these bright colored uniforms and that the pure focus of that is so that the focus and the vision of the uh, opposing team goes straight to that goalie. And so then when you kick the ball, you're so much more likely to kick it right to the goalie. Like it's a pretty big goal. And more often than not, the ball heads decently towards that bright colored goalie. That's because that's where your eyes naturally go when you look up to kick it. And, you know, it's the same thing. Like what you focus on in life is not just where you physically will move or kick the ball, but it's where you're going to put your energy. It's where you're going to put your, your mind, your focus. And if you're focusing on negative things, that is what is going to get more used. That's what's going to be more comfortable path, a path of least resistance for your automatic responses. And, you know, it's, it's just that, that muscle, it takes time for it to become stronger than the negative. Cause so often we just automatically, if we don't focus on it, we start to naturally go in a negative direction. Everybody, every teenager, every, you know, whether you have five followers or whether you have, you know, millions, social media is such a part of life now and mean bullying comments are prevalent for pretty much everybody. And it really is interesting that no matter how many amazing comments, the, the bad ones still hurt. And it's automatically your response to comment back to the negative ones. Why is that? You know, like you'll see all these good ones and yet, and I, I used to sometimes comment back and like defend myself. And then I was like, I'm putting my energy and my thoughts into practice about this negative thing. Why would I do that? Why would I not look at it? Oh, that hurts. Let's move on. Let's comment back to someone who said something positive. Like instead of actually physically feeding the negativity from your own mind and letting it sit in there. So it's like, it is so simple. It's like we have parallel realities in every single moment of our lives. There's the positive, there's the negative, and they both exist every second of every day. And it's our choice to turn which reality we want to look at. Feldy was laughing because you hit my trigger when you were talking about the comments on social media. He knows that's my, my battle right now. And it's so oh. bad. I actually literally said, I did a post the other day. It said, I will, I've decided to stop trying to stop fighting on here. And I'm just going to fight on here on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays from two to four. And I'm just going to make it a balanced part of my life. Like I'll be, I'll, so I'll see you. And my, my cousin was like, dude, I need a different time slot. And I'm like, all right, I'll make more time for family to argue. I will always make plenty of time to argue with family. So it's, it's crazy, right? Like the social so media funny. thing triggers the shit out of me. It does. Yeah. I can't look the, 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 the negative comments. I just, if anyone's on my like hitting me up on um, Instagram and says something negative, I just block them. I, and Good. I, feel, I feel like that's the appropriate thing to do. You know, I, if I comment on anything negative, like you said, it brings negative. They're going to keep commenting back and it becomes this discussion that I can never win. I can't win yeah. that battle. And like someone a couple of days ago posted something about, I you know, that I ruined uh, one of the bands I produced and, you know, yeah. after the platinum album that I, that I delivered for them, you know, that they, that right. I ruined. and it's like of all the accolades that I may have received from that artist, I, um, I'm, I'm focusing on this one thing and it, it brings me to, you know, I, I, I loved your movie Brave Enough. I mean, there's so many moments in that movie that stick out to me, but the one that really resonated the most with me is when you said you're such a, a mediocre violinist. And I was like, I've never met, 
I've never, I mean, and I've worked with a, a tremendous amount of musicians. I don't think I've ever worked with anyone as talented as you ever, you know, as far as you and your, what you do for your craft. And it's what you do is amazing. And, and, and how emotional you got when you were thinking that you were not good enough and that feeling like when you are in those moments, like for me, I know when I cry, there's no workout that's going to relieve as much stress as when I cry, you know, whenever I'm that, you know, if I'm that, you know, whatever's going on in my life that's allowing me to cry. Like I feel so much better afterwards. I mean, is that what happens for you as well when you go through those things? Oh man, I'm a, I'm a pretty like emotional person. I feel Deep, I think most musicians and artists feel pretty deeply. And yes, a good cry for me is so therapeutic. It feels like a weight is lifted when you just let it out finally. You know, and it's interesting you bring up that, you know, part of the Brave Enough film. I don't think I'd ever express that publicly, that feeling of like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm enough. And I just think that that is some, one of the most common feelings in the world. I am not enough. And honestly, usually it's our greatest gift that we feel like we're not enough in. If people were to wonder, like, what's Lindsay's best gift? It would, 99% of the planet would say the violin is her gift. And yet that's sometimes where I feel the most mediocre because of this comparison game. And, and that's something that everybody feels. And I just, my heart goes out to the human race because we're so freaking hard on ourselves and we don't realize how amazing we are. And, you know, my, uh, therapy, I love therapy. Thankful for my therapist who, you know, one time said, Lindsay, when you're in your concert, no one's thinking like she was not perfect in that moment while she did a tiny mistake. And she's like, you need to stop stepping on stage from a place of fear. Mm. And, which was kind of what I was getting into, stepping on the stage thinking, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to fail my audience. I don't want to be, a, I want to be enough. And so I was walking on with fear. And she reminds me that I need to step on knowing I have a gift to give. I can't be perfect, but stepping on the stage from a place of gratitude and giving rather than a place of fear makes a whole different mindset. And when I start to spiral in the middle of the moment of on a show where I'm like, oh my gosh, I made a mistake. I need to be better. Oh, I made another mistake. Oh, I made it. I stop myself mentally while I'm in the middle of dancing and playing. I'm still like in my mind, stopping myself and saying, I'm giving a gift. I have the chance to give a gift tonight. The, the change is everything, but everybody feels that way about something. Like my brother-in-law talks about his, you know, his job that he was doing. He was just saying he, he didn't feel like he was good at like, being a boss of, you know, at his job. And I was like, everybody feels this way. Why do we all think that our greatest gift is our greatest flaw? Yeah. Your greatest wound can become your greatest gift. And I always mm -hmm. tell people like, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the most successful people on the planet in every area and music and acting and all of it. And they all suffer from I'm not enough. In fact, that's why some of them are so successful is because that I'm not enoughness has driven them to get the Oscar, to get the Grammy, to get the thing. Right. But then at some point when you get it and you're still not enough, then what, you know, then you become right. suicidal or despondent or whatever. Right. And so you have to give that to yourself. That's a gift that you have to find in yourself and say, I am enough. You know, there's a therapist right. and like her whole thing. She's like one of the biggest celebrity therapists in the fucking planet. And her whole thing is putting, she tells everybody to put little post-its all over the house that say, you are enough. You are mm. enough. Like, and that's yes. it. And these people are like, it changes them. And I think one of the things you said to me really stuck out, which is like giving yourself a hard time for making little mistakes. Everybody's there to see you win. Like everybody loves you that's yeah. there at your show. 
and they're, right. they, they're there because they love you. They don't know that this, only you know the mistakes and you're going to make a million more mistakes in your lifetime. Are you going to beat yourself up a million more times? And maybe the mistake is something someone will think is awesome. Right. It's interesting that, well, what you said reminded me of one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. It's from the movie Cool Runnings. And, you know, the coach had, you know, cheated and everything. Everybody was sad. And one of the players of, or one of the bobsled team members went to the coach and was like, you had cheated in the Olympics. Why did you do it? You had five gold medals and you cheated to get one more. Like, why would you do that? And the coach says this line, he says, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And I just love that. And I remind myself that all the time that like all these achievements, you're going to get to the end of the road after chasing all these things to only look back and realize that like, I've never been happy all along the way because I was chasing something that I thought would make me happy. And now that I'm here, what have I missed? I've done, how did I miss it along the way? And I remember, so years ago, I remember when I first started my career, I had this moment out in America's Got Talent where I was told that I would never, you know, I wasn't enough. I'd never be enough. And I feel like I, I've been chasing it for a really long time. And it's interesting that now I have millions of people. The evidence is there to prove that I'm enough. The evidence, I see it in numbers when I stand on stage in front of thousands of people. I hear it when they cheer. I see it on YouTube. I've gotten like 3 billion views on YouTube. And how can that not be enough to prove that I, you know, that they were wrong? Or, you know, and it's not like I carry that as a weight. It's just realizing, wow, it wasn't them that made me feel like I wasn't enough. Because now, even with all the accolades and all the evidence, sometimes I still question it. And it makes you realize that, wow, the power has been within me the whole time. I have to decide every day. It's not like it's, I decide it once and it's going to last forever. Literally, you have to decide every day that you're enough. And you have to get up. You have to believe it. You do your morning routine, whatever it is. You talk to your therapist. You do all the work to remind yourself. And same way, if you stop working out, you're going to get weak. Like If you don't work on yourself, no one else, no matter how many likes you get or how beautiful you are or whatever it is that the world could tell you, like if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And that's something that I've like worked really hard for the last few years to try to actually like be. I was thinking about that moment when I watched the America's Got Talent in your movie. And I was like, I was just thinking like, what are these, like, what do these people know about being an artist? And, you know, like it, any judge, like what gives them the right to judge an artist if you're not an artist? You know, right. I mean, I, I just, uh, I was so blown away by how ignorant it felt like those people were on the show about you doing something, doing something that no one has ever done. What you do, you're the first of what you do and you know it and you, and you took a risk. And I think some people just don't understand when they see something new, how special it actually is. And then I was thinking like, what, what are those kind of, um, what are those judging shows really doing for creativity and for talent anyway, you know, and how many right. of those people really go off to change the world and make a difference? Maybe two or three out of what, two decades of, of judge shows, you know? Right. So you overcame it is just a testament to my belief that like true talent doesn't really show on that kind of, those kind of shows. It doesn't really matter. Yes. I mean, I will say 
it is super hard to do a good performance on one of those kind of shows. You just have so little control over like how your, how your art gets conveyed and, you know, anyways, but I think one of the most important things I learned from being on that show, it turned out to be a very staple moment of my career. I had no idea as I stood on that stage, absolutely humiliated. Like I can't even explain the amount of humiliation that I felt as I'm standing on live television, listening to people say some of the meanest things that have ever been said professionally to me. And I like could see my mother's eyes in the audience. Like, I even almost get teary eyed just like thinking about how humiliating that was. Like, you know, it's like I can almost, I can almost feel it still. Mm. However, it was such an important moment of my career because everybody who succeeded had to face failure, you know? Mine happened to be a super public, like in front of 11 million people failure, but everybody's fallen down and everybody feels like a failure at one point or another, whether they are or whether they aren't, failure is a feeling. And that was important for me to be able to experience that and move forward and say, I'm going to keep trying. And that is the biggest thing that separates successful people from people that give, you know, that don't make it is the fact that the people that succeed got up over and over and over and over again. And that takes a lot of mental strength to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to put that in my past. I'm going to walk forward. And I learned in hindsight that, you know, the judges, I'm going to give them a little bit of a break. They didn't have to be mean, but they weren't a hundred percent wrong. I was still learning my craft. I was very new at it. I was doing something that had been never, never been done before, including by me. I was new at it. I wasn't that great yet. Um, but I, there's an important word that I added to their sentiment when they said, you're not good enough. I added the word yet. It's like, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I wasn't ready for that stage, but it doesn't mean I'm never going to be ready. I'm not good enough in that moment. And we all have moments where we, maybe we weren't quite what we could be. And maybe we do need to work harder. And that was my story. I needed to work a lot harder. I needed to put in the practice, the hours. Dancing with the violin is really, really difficult. And I had to put in several years of practice before I was ready for that kind of a stage again. And when I stepped back on those kind of stages, I was prepared then. Thankfully, because of that really, really hard awakening moment of you got to work, you got to work harder. And those moments make or break you. And um, I'm so grateful that in my story, it made me, and even now I go back to that mentally to be like, when I face failures, you know, things that make me feel like I've been cut down again, because I still face those moments even now, you know, then um, I go back to that moment and I remind myself like, you're just not quite ready for that yet. Or maybe that just wasn't your best moment. Let's try again. And anyways, it's been a, it was probably one of the most important moments of my life. And I'm very grateful for it now. Do you think that that moment gave you the fuel that you needed to work harder? You know, like the, I'll show, okay, I'm, I feel humiliated, but I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove these people wrong. And it gives you the fuel that you need to work harder on your dance, to work harder on your act or your violin or whatever. Like, I think I've had moments like that in my life, you know, where people have said terrible things to me and done terrible things to me. And I'm like, okay, that's the fuel that I need, you know, because unfortunately yeah. sometimes we respond more to negative feedback than positive feedback. Right. Yes. It was absolutely fuel for me. And it's funny how would that fuel changed first? It was like, I am going to show them that I can do this. I'm going to prove them wrong. And then it became a realization of like, 
this is actually proving it to myself. I'm trying to prove to myself that I'm enough, you know, and it transformed and then it became, you know, so it, it changed as I, as I started to like use it, but fuel is fuel and it fueled me for a really long time. And then I had no idea that it would become, you know, at first I kind of wanted it to be personal fuel. I didn't want anyone to remember that. I hoped that it would get deleted from the internet somehow. You know, I was like, this is so embarrassing. And then it became people love an underdog. Oh my gosh, my first album when it came out and I started to be a success. Oh, that's what every news outlet or like press opportunity, half of them I got because they'd be like, oh, Dancing Violin is interesting. Wait, she was rejected on America's Got Talent, humiliated in public, and now she's a success. We want to hear her tell that story. So suddenly it became not only personal fuel, it became like people loved that story and it became a really big talking point that people wanted to hear about. And so it went from being this embarrassing thing I wanted to hide. And now I love telling that story because I love to talk about it in motivational speaking. I love to tell high school students. I love to share it with, with friends. You know, it's become something that it's one of my bigger, like David and Goliath moments that everybody can have in their own life and learn from that they can rise above too. And so I don't know, it's that fuel change through the years. Mm. Yeah, I was, uh, I was selling shoes a long time ago and uh, my band got signed. I had uh, my, my old band, the Electric Love Hogs, you know, we were, um, yes. we were just like, uh, I mean, kind of a, a heavy metal version of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and God, we had, you know, Tool open for us, the, you know, Rage Against the Machine open for us, Pearl Jam open for us. We had all these, oh my gosh. We, we were like on top, you know, on top of the world signed toured the world and then we got dropped and i had to go back to selling shoes and it was like i remember i'd see like the drummer for rage against the machine would come in and, and they were the biggest band in the world and i'd be i'd be like what what size shoe are you buddy you know it's like i mean i felt like such a failure and i feel like yeah. part of that like the idea that never wanting to go back never needing to go back to selling shoes is still part of my drive you know i'm, wow. I'm you're talking that like give me chills yeah, I mean, we're talking like 25 years later. I'm still like in the back of my head. I still think, God, I just, I never want to go back to doing that. So I have to keep pushing and, and it's part of my drive. And it's, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it just is what it is. And part of my, you know, morning routine involves um, a God of my own understanding. And, uh, mm. and I was thinking, I was watching you and you had a couple Star Wars references in your, um, in your movie. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan too. I mean, I think Rogue One's probably my favorite, but I mean, I'm definitely like a fan of the whole, all of it. Like I'm not like a purist to the first three, you know? Um, and yeah. I was thinking about the idea of what the force is. And I think about like, whenever they talk about the force in those movies, and I think about that, that, you know, the thing that guides, you know, the universe, you know, this kind of, you know, this thing that guides the universe, what that is for me. And I, and I feel like that's the closest thing to an idea of what God is to me, you know, that I've heard of, you know, of all the kind of definitions of God throughout the years. And I was just thinking that there's always been a force guiding me in my life. And that may sound super cheesy, but it's like, I always feel like I've, if I was, if I was ready back in the electric love hog days, I probably would have done a bunch of drugs and like really messed mm -hmm. my life up bad. I, you know, when I was 21, I, I wasn't ready. And by the time yeah. Goldfinger happened, like I was ready emotionally. I was mature enough to handle the, I mean, it's not like we became Green Day, but it's like we did okay. Oh, you guys did amazing. 
I was ready for it. You know, I was definitely ready for it. And I feel like I look at your life and you were ready that by the time that you did, like you said, you probably weren't ready when you were on America's Got Talent. You're ready now. I have to tell you, you are crushing it. Well, thanks. And you know, I love that you bring in like spirituality. That's such an important part of my life. And I, I don't know, I think that spirituality in any shape or form is one of the key components of like good mental health understanding and because it kind of connects you to something greater than yourself in whatever way shape or form that is for every person and you know I think my my spirituality is like I guess it's like slightly changed through the years it's got the same foundation it's always had you know I'm, I'm Mormon myself and it's the foundation of my life. But I feel like I've always had this spirituality that's just guided me. My career doesn't make sense, to be honest. And when I look back at it, I just think I made these very key steps that were very kind of, in my mind, blindly taken. Like, I was like, I was just like guessing and like putting my foot out and trying new things. And I can't help but look at it any other way than say, I'm, I've been so guided by just my heavenly father and continuously turning to him and saying like take me where you want me to go and i'm gonna do my best to be a light to this world and that was a promise i made right when my career started i started to see like oh my gosh i think this is actually working and i think this could become a very like prevalent this is going to be my life and i knelt down in that moment and i did say this prayer this promise to god where i just promised him i would tried my best to be a light to the world and in return take me wherever you want me to go and you know I continuously feel like I'm trying to look at the you know it's a it's a fine line we walk and trying to look and evaluate am I keeping that promise it's the most important promise in my life and I feel like I'm where I'm at today because of that promise and my best attempts to try to keep it even though of course I'm far from perfect you know, and I think since losing people, I, my, my best friend passed away several years ago. That's uh, what Brave Enough was all about. It was about my best friend and my father passing away to cancer um, and within a very short time frame. And since that happened, I think that's why I say my spirituality has shifted a little bit. I feel like I have angels in my life guiding me all the time. And I guess it's just because I've become more aware that that's my belief is I believe that they're looking out for me and helping me and guiding me. And I just imagine literally walking through life, having these big guardian angels around me constantly, like whispering things in my ear. And, you know, it's funny. I like, if I run out of my house and forget something and remember as I'm like hitting my car, I'm like, Oh, my angels are looking out for me. And I run back and get it, you know? And, and I guess that's even just a way of positively looking at instead of being like, I'm so stupid. I forgot my violin. You know, I'm like, Oh, thank you. My angels reminded me. It would have been terrible if I made it there without it. You know, I just love to think that through every second of my life, I've got my, my dad and my best friend helping guide me. And it makes me feel comforted. It makes me feel close to them. And it makes me just feel almost like I have a superpower in this life because I've got my angels helping me. Yeah. They say courage is like you're, you're having, having fear, but doing it anyway. Prayer is the way of courage for me in a lot of situations. And we have different beliefs, but prayer works. And I just, yeah. for me, whenever I go on, you know, if I'm going on stage or I'm, I'm about to go into some big speaking engagement, I just, I say a prayer and it just goes better. It just goes smoother. Everything goes smoother when I'm not, when I'm whatever, you know, the power that created me, whatever that is, guides me. I know that 
things just go better. And it's so much part of my life that I can't, and I'm always in gratitude. Like you said, the gratitude list is so important. Like I have running water. I'm in the shower and I'm saying, thank you, God. I'm saying that like out loud because I'm so grateful that I have these little things that like I don't ever want to take for granted. I mean, I still, I'm with people that I love. I love my wife, you know? I mean, I really, we are a perfect match and this pandemic has only proven that, that we're great together. And I love my kids, my dogs. Like I'm so grateful and I just thank God that I have them here to share this time with. I love that we started this whole thing out with gratitude because without that, like I'm just resentful because it's one or the other, right? And it's like, I can be resentful for the same things I'm grateful for. I could be resentful that my wife's not doing what I want her to do. I can be resentful that my kids aren't doing their homework. They're not going to bed or I can be grateful that my kids are healthy. At the end of every one of my classes, instead of saying something like every teacher says, like, namaste, you know, I say, may the force be with you. And so, <laughs> you know, that. I'm a little different than most teachers. And, and in that way, you know, but I, I, Lindsay, I want to hear some more of your tools because I, I feel like I'm getting from you. You're like, you're a person who's developed a lot of tools along the way to deal with all your stuff, right? Whatever, we all have stuff. Every one of us has right. stuff. And it's like, are you going to deal with it? Are you going to do something about it? Are you going to develop a tool? And so one of your tools is a gratitude journal. But what other tools are you using? Like, what are you using right now besides exercise and gratitude journal? Do you have mm-hmm. anything else that you want to share with people that might really be helpful to someone? Yes. Well, first I want to, I want to back up a little bit to the first time I realized that I had tools and I could develop them. And this was when I was in college and I was, um, so far deep into anorexia and depression and I didn't even realize it. I just knew I was absolutely miserable and I knew I hated myself. That's pretty much the only thing I understood about myself was, um, just that I, I did not want to be me anymore. And I remember like finally opening up about this to my mom. And like, as I started to talk about it, I just like finally owned that, like, I think I'm incredibly sick. (laughs) And that was, and it's funny because saying for the first time I'm anorexic, instead of it being like this horrifying moment, it was almost like this weight was lifted off me that finally I understand, like, I, I don't actually just hate myself. I'm, I'm sick. And being able to express that was like this weight was lifted off. And, and I had this moment where I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I've, I learned to play the violin. Like I remember how awkward that once was and how foreign it once felt. I taught myself, you know, I've been learning to dance. I remember how horrible I looked when I first started. If I could learn these finite skills in my fingers and in my feet and in my body, why is my mind any different? Like it all started in my head so I can fix this. And I started to treat it like a a part-time job. And then it became like a full-time job. You know, and at the time I had a job, I was going to school, but mental health became like, I'm going to beat this. It became like the kind of the most important thing in my life because I wanted to be happy again. And I remember doing all sorts of exercises, like looking in the mirror into my eyes and saying, I love you was like one of those first things that I just would do every day every morning and every night. And I remember at first it was such a lie that it was uncomfortable and I would even cry as I said it because I did not believe it. Your mind understands a lie and a truth and it categorizes them differently. And so, yeah, at first it was a lie and it kept putting it in the lie bucket. So it didn't feel right to say it, but I kept saying it anyway until finally the brain started to register it as 
like, well, we've said this enough. Like she's thought this enough. It's going to go in the truth bucket. And so my mind started to categorize these things that I was saying that I love you. You have worth, you're smart. You know, all these things that I did not believe started to go into the part of my brain where it became believable. It took a while for that to happen, but just, you know, and then starting to not only think about what I'm physically saying, but thinking about negative self-talk became a really important part of my life and training my mind and catching those negative thoughts and stopping them. First, it was a matter of stopping them or, or you know, after they'd been said in my mind to then say a positive to like counter it. Like if I said that you're ugly, I would say, no, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You know, countering the negativity, then catching them mid thought and changing it and then stopping them before they happened. All these things took a long time. Um, but those became some of the biggest like starter points for me was just changing the dialogue that was coming out and the dialogue that was happening in my brain. Now I love manifesting. Like I have my little gratitude, oh, right here, right by my bed, I have my gratitude journal. You know, it's got all my little gratitude things in it. I love, I'm obviously like a tactile person. I like to write things down and it's funny. I even have this right next to me, but like I pick a word every year and I work on it. My word this year is magic. And, um, I wanted to, and that meant that I just want to be a dreamer. Like, I feel like I have my dreaming capabilities have like gone down. Like, and I'm like, I need to manifest more. Some of those things that I manifested when I started my career, it is amazing how they have come to fruition. And I did it automatically. It wasn't a thought. It was just who I was because I was um, in that kind of a place of dreaming big. And now that I've learned a lot more about this industry and I'm a lot more practical about what's actually possible and not I'm like, I need to kick that out of my brain. I need to dream again. I need to be magical. And so that's my word for this year. And, you know, I also wrote down tons of these goals that I have and I highlighted them and I wrote down all the, the steps it takes to get them. And I look at these every day and then I just sit there and think about them. And I, you know, it's the same way we talked about what you focus on grows and how like looking at that goalie is going to make you shoot the ball towards that goalie. I just try to surround my brain and my thoughts and my vision and my heart with like all these things that I want to do. And some of them are personal goals. Some of them are professional goals. Some of them are just emotional goals. I'd manifest them every day. It's so good. What you were sharing about looking in the mirror and saying, I love, I love you. I love, I love myself or I love you. It's, it sounds easy, but it's not. It's actually really hard to stare in the mirror and, tell, and say that I love myself. And so maybe the earlier step is like, I'm learning to love myself. Mm. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can right now with everything I have. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I started with my daughter when she was two years old, having her look in the mirror and saying, you are strong, you are smart, you are great, you know, and saying all these amazing things and like trying to build that positive reinforcement on ourselves. It's, it's yeah. it will change your life. These little tools, although they sound cliche, they sound a little corny. It sounds like, oh, I'm not going to look in the mirror and say, I love myself. I can't do that. That's weird. It's like, well, do you want to feel good? Do you want to have a good life? Or do you want to worry about a fucking being corny in front of no one that's looking, you know? Uh, so, sorry, I swear sometimes, but, um, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, stop caring about what other people think that aren't even in the room, you know? Yeah. And like, just totally. do what feels good. Make whatever it takes to feel good. I mean, I'm blown away by the work that you've done on yourself. It's amazing. Well, you know, and it's, it takes consistent work. Like there are some days where I still like all of a sudden revert back to like that girl. Like, of course I don't, I'm not anorexic or I'm not, you know, in clinical depression, but I revert back to some of those same emotions of like, 
oh, I don't feel good about myself. And that's why I believe so much in this is because it's like, well, have I been doing the things that I really need to be doing to keep up my mental health? Oh, wow. I've gotten a little lazy with that. Like, let's pull out our tools again. And, you know, it's, it's this constant journey. And I feel like once upon a time, I lost the battle every day. Like I would, I'd lost, I'd almost lost the war, you know, but now I win way, way more than I lose that battle. And I think that's the process is like realizing it's okay if sometimes I lose the battle. It's okay if today I'm not emotionally thriving. Today was, is a hard day. We, you know, we can try to turn around right now. And if that's not working, I'm going to let myself feel what I need to feel. We're going to pick it up tomorrow and I'm going to, I'm going to win tomorrow. You know, I think allowing myself that maturity to like say, okay, I still have to feel all the different feelings, but I don't have to feel them. I don't have to feel them like I used to. I don't have to live in them. I don't have to be them. I don't, I don't have to make them feel like they're me. Like I will never think that I'm depression again. I will never hate myself again. And I will never own the emotions and wear them as, as if they're a part of me. They're passing. They pass through sadness, anxiety, depression. They come through. They will never be written on me again. You know, emotions are passing and seeing them as like a revolving door, I think is something that's really helped me be able to, to deal with them. Okay, come in, but you got to get out. You got to leave. Yeah, that's an important distinction to say that I like, you don't want to say I am angry. I am sad. Right. I am depressed. You can say I feel depressed right now, right? Yes. I feel mm -hmm. angry right now, but that's an emotion that's going to pass. I, mm -hmm. when I say that I am anger, I am depression yeah. or I am sad, like you become that thing. You literally mm -hmm. become what you say you are. Right, yeah. Feldy? I'm so grateful you're sharing these stories with us, Lindsay. I, I just, um, I feel so honored to be able to hear them. I'm an alcoholic. And when I, before, you know, when I was still drinking, I really did a lot of, a lot of damage to myself. I was, you know, at first stages of cirrhosis of the liver. I had an ulcer. I, I was cutting myself up with razor blades. I just, I couldn't stand the man that I was. And I would, you know, it's, I would say, you know, I would just look in the mirror and just say, fuck you, you know, and I would just say these things to myself that was just, I mean, I couldn't, like the cycle just kept going and going and going down. And, and it's like that one day where I just, um, you know, I was facing jail time and I'd been, my, my parents had sort of, they, they disowned me and I had been, you know, I've been fired from Aardvarks, this, this, this uh, used clothing store. And I'm like, they say your bottoms when you stop digging. And I just like, uh, I, I just made a decision. I said, I can't, because I, I, I was going to kill myself and I couldn't. Oh. And I just, you know, and I said, I need help. That was the first thing I said is I need help. And I reached out to someone I knew that didn't drink anymore. It was my aunt, you know, and she gave me the direction on what and what to do and say, you know, ultimately saved my life. And, uh, and I just think that like, whatever you're struggling with, there is a solution. There mm -hmm. is a solution. And I think that like, people don't understand the idea of looking in the mirror and saying, I love you. Or, or for me, it's taking a cold shower and I exercise every day. I want it. I would love to hear about your exercise routine as well. I just, um, it's so much, it's such a huge part of my recovery from anxiety and depression mm -hmm. is, is exercise. You know, wherever you're at in, in your life, there is a solution, whatever you're going through, there is one. And um. I worked out today as well. I did, I box um, is, is mostly what I do for work, workouts, but today I just did the elliptical and it just, for me, it's like I get this buzzing feeling in my chest when I have anxiety, like it's like this mm -hmm. buzzing, right? And I feel like I'm crouching over and it's all the energy is going into my solar plexus right here. And it's just like, when mm -hmm. I work out, it just like, just, it just goes away, you know, for me. Yeah. Oh no. I love what you just shared. That's so incredibly 
powerful. I thank you so much for sharing that with me and with, with us today. What an amazing journey. Uh, I, I love working out. Well, actually, no, I, I don't like working out. I love how I feel when I work out, you know, and <laughs> for me, uh, I do a pretty simple workout because I'm like, you know what, better just something than nothing. And I think that's an important thing for people to realize is that if, if you hate working out and you don't feel like it, like you can do something 20 minutes, 20 minutes with a YouTube video is so possible for anybody. You know, I always joke with my friends that I, that's like my TV time. I work out with a YouTube video. I do some of those Pilates and yoga and stuff like that. Like when I'm not on tour and I'm not in crazy like go shape and I just watch Grey's Anatomy while I work out. <laughs> it's like my motivation to like get me to do it. Cause I'm like, well, I get to watch my guilty pleasure show while I, while I exercise. And so that's one of the things when I'm struggling to work out, that's my, my way to get myself there is okay, let's put on a show. Let's just do a YouTube video. And that's because yeah, you're right. It always makes you feel better. It makes you feel like kickstarted for your day. It's like a physicality I think is such a underestimated part of emotional health and wellness. It's, I think it's way more for my brain than it even is for my body, you know, and it's also, there's something to the fact of, you know, the morning routine, that's how you kickstart your day. Even simple thing, like I've started making my bed. I don't even know who I am anymore because it's just automatically I've checked off something in the day. Like oh, I did it. Like I've done a task and I've been up for five minutes. And what that just does for me mentally to know that I did something, you know, and then the next thing I do, I work out. Okay. Check. I've been up for an hour and I've done several tasks, you know? So I just think that I am a big fan of this is silly, but I've become a very big fan of like mental gold stars. I give myself gold stars all the time for like silly things. Like, wow, I put on real pants today gold star for me you know just like a, a little reward system to like give yourself a pat on the back sometimes because we're so hard on ourselves and so the more times I can give myself those little just like that's something I adopted from my sister she has twin daughters and she's always running after these little twin toddlers you know so she's like oh my gosh I get myself gold stars all the time for just the littlest tasks and I think that's a really great way to like just kind of give yourself a break sometimes so I'm gonna give myself some gold stars anyways <laughs> I love that. You're talking about stacking little wins all throughout the day. You know what I mean? Yes. Whether it's making your bed or exercise, I did that. Let me stack that. Let me count that little win. Give myself a gold star. I made my bed. I exercised. Like all these stacking little wins to feel good about yourself. All you need is a little bit of progress every day to feel good about yourself. That's literally it. Just yeah. a little bit of progress every day. You know, what? one of the cool things we're trying to add to the podcast now is a few little questions at the end. So can oh. I ask you a couple of little questions? I think you'll think these are fun. So okay. what... Um, what is your favorite song or a song that you wish that you had written? Ooh, <laughs> probably September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh my God. I love that song. <laughs> that's like my favorite, like pet me up song. Oh, that's good. Okay. What, which superpower would you most like to have and why? Ooh, superpower. <gasps> I've actually never thought of this one. I think just based on our conversation, I wish that you had, I had the ability to just make people see how amazing they are. Like imagine if your superpower was you could just make people see their potential and feel how loved they are and how much, how amazing they are. That'd be pretty cool. Okay, awesome. And then every the last little, one. I think every little thing she does is magic. I think that's probably, I mean, of all the songs, I was just thinking like, if you ask me this, you know, like- he <laughs> wants to jump in on the question. I know. Oh, yeah. I just, God, I, every time I hear that song, I just feel like I just want to dance. It's just like one of those songs that I feel like Sting was like falling in love. I think after, you know, probably with Trudy, his, um, his still wife now. And I just, 
I just, I really feel that that, that song is truth, you know, for him in the moment. My, my favorite song Sorry. of all time is Van Morrison, Into the Mystic. I think it's a perfect song. I think it's the most perfect song ever written, ever done. Uh, okay, last one. Which character from a TV show or a movie do you dislike the most? Or you could do some one that you like the most if you don't want to go there. Like who's your favorite movie character or TV show character? Is it, is it uh, what's her name, Meredith from Grey's Anatomy? Or <laughs> well, I do love my Grey's Anatomy. Oh, favorite character. Um, you know, well, this is going to sound weird, but one of my, like, I think one of the more intriguing characters written in the last, like, in the last few years is, um, I'm an Avengers fan. Loki from Avengers is so interesting. Like, sometimes you really don't like him. Other times you empathize with him so much and you feel for him so like i don't know if he's nearly my favorite character like you know you that you like love and are rooting for but he's one of the most interesting and i think well-written characters and has been seen in film in a really long time i know i i was thinking about thanos too like how he's just in the back of his mind he's thinking he's doing the right thing for the yes. universe and it's just like and, you know, he's not. He's just right. not. Right. That's what yeah. makes such a good villain, too, is someone who, you, you like, the writer can make their villain feel like they have every validation for what they do. Yeah. I like Ray from Force Awakens. I just think I just relate so much to her character, just coming from nothing, and but just really believing that there's something in her that just, that just pushes her to be better than she is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I like the guy, the lead guy, Cillian Murphy's character on Peaky Blinders, which is a Netflix oh. show. It's, he's, it's a dark show and he's a dark character. I don't know, something I just relate to. My that. wife loves him so much. That I think he's probably her favorite of anyone. Like, Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I lost my hair, that's pretty much what I look like. It's exactly yeah, we're not, what I look we're like. Not so, we're not so sure about that. Your, but, uh, <laughs> your wife probably would have been really into me, which would have been difficult for everyone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Lindsay. You, you, this, this was the best. I mean, really, like, I feel like I learned so much today. Yeah, I'm you were amazing. You shared so many amazing tools today. I'm so grateful that you came on and shared that stuff with us. Oh, well, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And this was such a great conversation that you guys just guided. And like, yeah, I loved everything we got to talk about. So thank you for sharing like all your guys' stuff too. Thank you. Thank you. Love thank you guys. Love you.